Avi just put on gloves for those listening. <laughs> it is not that cold. Um, this Wait, is the ASMR podcast for Maybe Baby. I wonder if you can hear that. Wait, where did you find those gloves? Because these gloves are, have been in the pocket of this jacket. Oh my god! What are these? Gloves? I was missing those gloves like all of winter. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, let me introduce us. Hello, this is Haley Nauman, and you're listening to the Maybe Baby Podcast. Full disclosure, this is actually round two. <laughs> we recorded a version of this podcast earlier today, and I kind of woke up in like I, I woke up in like a depressive state this morning, and then we didn't get out of our pajamas until like what time is it? Four p.m. <laughs> Dark core energy in the apartment, yeah. but we kind of realized that we weren't bringing the energy, and we wanted to redo it. And so we like put on real clothes. I cracked a diet coke, a four p.m. diet coke. We listened to a Drake song. <laughs> <laughs> what else do we do? To hype ourselves up. You smoke some weed. I smoke some weed. Yeah, we're all right. We're ready for this. Yeah, and we yeah. listen to half a podcast. We listened to half a podcast, but that didn't really work. I think that we were hoping to get into the mood, but it didn't really work. Yeah, if anything, it, it got me further from it. Yeah, it's, it sapped <laughs> me and my life force. Um, anyway, we love podcasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to get right onto it or into it, um, today I have Avi here. We're just going to shoot the shit a little bit because after last week, I discovered that that's a much more um, fun way to reflect on the last week's newsletter. And um, this is going to be slightly different because um, it's not Dear Baby. So we're just going to be kind of uh, dancing a little bit around the topic that I wrote about this week, which was death and recklessness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We love to see it. And um, I'm not going to actually be going through each of my recommendations, but we will be talking maybe about one or two of them. And I am going to be doing a reading of the newsletter, but I'm just going to save that for the end for whoever wants to hear it um, so that if you already read it and you're not interested, you can uh, just skip that part. So death. I find sometimes I need to just like take a breath. Take a breath. (laughs) The 4 p.m. DC got me going. (laughs) Um, I actually also already had a coffee today. Mm -hmm. I I I had an oat milk latte this morning to try to cheer myself up. And did it work? It did not. It didn't work, no. <laughs> Sometimes the OML is not enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So let's do like a, just a spark notes of the newsletter for people who didn't, weren't in the mood to read it this week and mm-hmm. maybe are, don't know what we're talking about. Or need a recap. A recap. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so this week I wrote about something called death recollection, which is a Bhutanese, uh, an ancient Bhutanese tradition, which is the idea that um, to, in order to be a happy person, one must contemplate death five times a day. I first heard about this tradition, um, actually, unfortunately, via an iPhone app. <laughs> um, uh-oh, Bug is trying to come up here. Come Sorry, here, Bug. so distracted. <laughs> um, it's actually very fitting that we're doing this podcast. Where we, we're in our kitchen right now, right next to a parking ticket that we very recklessly got, and a, a failed fly trap and some vegetables that are going bad um (laughs) (laughs) bugs tail bugs uh, a cat's tail asmr cat's tail asmr okay kiki can you just go ahead and why don't you relax a little bit baby sit down buddy we're gonna have to fix this in post yeah okay so spark notes i don't know why i keep saying spark notes yeah um the cliff's notes version yeah just or another ha- version of that, like cheaters website for college students. Is Sparknotes like the like the brand name of a particular type of Cliff Notes? I oh, think wait, of- are those not both websites for like kids who don't read in school? Or is the is like Cliff's Notes a brand like Kleenex? I'm gonna Google it. That's just Cliff ubiquitous. Notes. No, yeah. See, Cliff Notes is a, see Cliff Notes is another website. So, and Sparknotes is a competitor. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So your team and your team Sparknotes. I don't know. I think that's what I use in college. It, like, I love to read. And mm-hmm. every time I had to do reading for college, I just used Sparknotes. <laughs> what? Like, I took, a, I took a class on, like, 
like American fiction or something uh -huh. like that. Like I went to business school, so I like barely did any like fun reading for, for my education. Right. But I did take one class thinking like, you know what? What will it be like to actually study something I love? And then I just like didn't read any of the books. Why? I don't know. Wait, Bugs breathing? <laughs> I'm going to banish him further. Kitten, I literally love you so much, but you have to go. Your breathing's too loud, honey bunny. Oh, Jesus. Okay, well. Wait, it's making me absolutely devastated. Yeah, this is the, you know. This is parenting? This is parenting. Okay. Um, this week. <laughs> this week, I wrote about death uh -huh. and recklessness. And... Um, the way I connected them is I was thinking a little bit about um, what we typically do with death recollection. That's what I was talking about, the Bhutanese tradition. Ah, uh, yes. And we're back. Um, I bought an app or downloaded an app a couple of years ago called We Croak that sent me a push notification five times a day that said, reminder, colon, you're going to die. Yeah, I remember you tried to get me to download that too. <laughs> you never did. I don't think so. Um, and then you would click to open a quote about death. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, I still have it, but it just stopped sending me the push notifications. It died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened, but like, I, I feel like I recently checked in on it and then it like started sending me, like it started guiltily sending them to me again. Like it realized it had been like, <laughs> like missing out on its duty. But anyway, um, so I just looked into death recollection and the idea that like, uh, thinking about your death is like a form of meditation, mm -hmm. at, at least through this, this tradition. Um, and then I, I personally just think about death a lot. <laughs> you tend to think of this you gotta as... You've got to have a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> well, you tend to call this like hypochondria. Uh-huh. So, you know, we all have different labels. Right. Some might call it meditation. Sure. Bhutanese. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, um, anyway, I think typically like we employ like thinking about death uh, to live our lives more fully. Life is short. Make the most of it. You only live once uh -huh. as... Um, a philosopher, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, modern philosopher, uh, what's his actual name? Aubrey Graham. Aubrey Graham once said. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't really hit right now because we kind of can't do those things. There's not really, there's not many opportunities to be reckless right now. Like there's a lot of um, being careful and yeah. fearful yeah. and being um, especially unaware of the future, but not in a way that's like fun. <laughs> It's more just panic-inducing and kind of boring um, and safe. For for us. For us. That's right. a good point. Yeah. Some people, a lot of people are just like, people are going to Applebee's right now. <laughs> like, Yeah, or like they're going to like parties and stuff. Yeah. Like dinner parties and like... They're Tic doing like... TikTok apartment parties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I think for, a, for the majority of people or like a lot of people maybe... Mm -hmm. um, things are, it's, it's pretty hard to, to justify recklessness right now when people's lives are at stake. Right. So I was just, it, I think being unable to kind of practice recklessness has me recognizing the kind of existential virtue in it, which is what I wrote about this week. Um, I'm not a very reckless person by nature. And so my more... Yeah, you said practice recklessness. <laughs> <laughs> Engage in reckless behavior. <laughs> I typically am a little bit more careful and prudent. And when I am reckless, which I definitely am a fair amount, but it's more measured and it's something that I've really had to learn to to do because it really goes against kind of my personality. So A calculated risk. Yeah. Yeah. So I wrote a little bit about just like um, – why I'm careful and, and how it amounts to like pain avoidance, but how like avoiding pain is actually sometimes um, also inhibiting pleasure. And so there's sort of an, a, a relationship between pain and pleasure that we have to embrace in if, if we want to live fully. So that was what the, um, the, the essay was about this week. Um, yeah. So, you know, like you were thinking about death. <laughs> like, how did I get on this? Like, how did you get on death? <laughs> I'm just forcing you to ask me questions. Um, wait, did I say that like I'm having you on the pod? <laughs> it's all right. I think they figured it out by now. <laughs> I'm bringing Avi on the pod today. Hi, I'm back. <laughs> um, did I already say that? I can't remember. Like I'm going, for, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's fine. I, th I think I said it. Again, we'll fix it in post. We'll fix it in post. Um, I'm acting like I like know what I'm doing when I'm editing audio, but um, I'm learning every day. 
It's what life is about. Mm-hmm. You got to learn. And in addition to being reckless. Yeah. So you went actually to Andy's apartment this week mm-hmm. to kind of leave me to, to give me the apartment to myself to write. Get some, get some space for myself too. Yeah. yeah. So Andy's my brother and he's traveling. He's in LA right now for a couple months and we're house sitting his plants. So we kind of also get to use his apartment a little bit as like a second space, which has been really nice. Um, I've been going there to write my uh, newsletters, but this time you went and I was really confused about what I wanted to write about this week. I had so many notes and then I was driving to pick up our laundry, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a thing we do. Yeah. Uh, why is that? <laughs> it's, you know what? That's not important uh, to the story. So mm-hmm. that is reckless. Yeah. We love, love our old our old laundromat from when we lived in Bushwick Mm -hmm. and we're so committed to the family who works there that we drive our laundry all the way over there. Yeah. We just, it's, you know, it makes absolutely no sense. They do such a great job. They've done a great job for years Yeah, and we haven't found anything like them. They're just so sweet. Like we we greet each other like old friends. I don't know if, I mean, I don't know if they like us as much as we like them, but you know, I mean, we are airing our dirty laundry there. Yes. To be, they know all of our, Dirty little secrets. <laughs> yeah, they, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy the All American Rejects. Wait, is that All American Rejects? Yeah, Dirty Little Secret. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh. Now let's play a clip of the song. I'm yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> We're done. It's podcast. Um. Okay. What was I saying? So, I was driving and I was thinking about how the other day I had asked you if you think about death. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought. Avi said that he didn't think about death in the same way that I did. And it made me realize that maybe the way I thought about it wasn't as universal. Um, funnily enough, like, since I wrote this, I got a lot of response that people do think about death the way I do. So, um, yeah, what's wrong with me? <laughs> yeah, really. So we, what we learned here is, is that Avi... I'm the weird one. Yeah. Uh-huh. So this is kind of corny, but I remember thinking that, like, the line I think about death a lot would be a good opening line. I ultimately had that as the opening line to the second paragraph. Sometimes inspiration just hits you, you know? <laughs> well, it's just like, this is a good starting point. Like, you know when you're like a writing class and they're like, here's the first sentence now, like free write. Yeah, yeah. And like That's how you felt. Yeah, I feel like sometimes if you get a good first line, you're like, that's what I can run with. So that was my thought. So I, I pulled out my voice recorder and I started just, I started with that sentence. I think about death a lot. And then I just sort of spoke freely for, I think, about like 10 minutes. Um, and that ended up actually being kind of the the backbone or skeleton yeah so i came home and transcribed it and ended up um just kind of fleshing it out and like reworking it until i had something done but while you were gone for about two days mm-hmm. i was absolutely avoiding the work really struggling to get it down because i just couldn't figure out what the fuck i wanted to say and i think i probably like twiddled my thumbs for like a cumulative like yeah, probably yeah. 15 hours <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I like got intermittent texts from you that were like really funny tweets or something. It seemed like you were like from my end. It seemed like you were kind of um, stewing on something. Yeah, I'd be like, I've written one paragraph. What are you up to? And it'd been like five I feel like hours. Typically, if you know where you're going with something, you just sit down and write it. It's something I admire about you that I could never do myself. You mean like when like, I do really, the really fast typing that you're imitating? The yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you get that like sort of stenographer type. Where you just like all of a sudden know what you have to do. And the, I mean, for me, like when I, the beginning of an idea to like when I actually implement it, there's like a big sort of gestation period. Yeah. Where like you have an idea and then you're just writing like a, like a executive Like I'm admin. racing. Yeah, or something. Yeah. Um, that's so funny that, you, yeah, obviously I was talking about how fast I type when I'm focused, but I always feel like I'm writing so slowly. So I don't, I don't know. There's some, there's some no, kind of mismatch it, between my perception and like, it feels like you're trying to set some record or training for something. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so it was a little bit of a struggle, but, um, I ended up getting there and like when I finished, I remember texting and being like, I cannot believe I finished this newsletter. Right. Which I literally say every single week. Yeah. I'm always shocked. You're always just like barely making it to the finish line every week. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just like, I always feel like that when I finish a piece, I just like, I can't believe that it got there because I spend the whole time in disbelief that it's not going to work. Yeah. Full disbelief. I mean, it's actually insane to write something. I mean, like I get... In general. To, yeah, in general. To just be able to finish something. 
It is, yeah, it's it, just it's to like have shock. a complete thought, write it out. I don't know. Yeah, it seems like a lot. It's satisfying though. I'm glad you think so. So let's talk a little bit about recklessness in general, because ultimately I said this was about death, but it really ended up being about recklessness Mm -hmm. and um, the distinction between recklessness and carelessness, which I didn't really realize until I was reading a legal document, but um, I actually made you guess and you guessed it exactly right. You remember that? Yeah. That was very impressive. I would like to say I intuited it. That's right. Uh Um, I'm like Sherlock Holmes. mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So carelessness is not giving a lot of thought to the consequences of an action. Um, So, you know, you jump off a cliff into some water and you don't think about the fact that there's rocks right there or whatever. (laughs) That's a very scary uh, example that (laughs) you chose. Yeah, well, we're being reckless. I was reading something about a lady who like, oh, it was in your comments. Someone in your comments, I think, said that they broke their spine when they jumped off. Oh, God, I think that's what I'm thinking of. That's why it felt so visceral to me. Oh, my God. <laughs> Considering how often I'm asking you to rip my spine out. <laughs> it's like not enough time to explain, to provide the amount of context. No, I have a very, very sore lower back. It's nice. Avi will press it really hard and I'll just be like, please rip my spine out. I, I, don't, want to, I don't want the burden of a spine anymore. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm never going to say that again after that cruel sanity tone. Okay, never break your spine, please. But yeah, please. <laughs> stay away from glyphs. Yeah. But so recklessness. Spinal caution, please. mm -hmm. Recklessness, um, (laughs) on the other hand, is knowing the consequences and choosing to act anyway. Right. So jumping off the cliff, knowing that you might hit some rocks and just doing it anyway. So I thought it's really interesting. I think I spent a lot of time thinking that um, to take risks, you had to almost kind of be blind to the consequences because, like, why would you do it otherwise? And I think this is why I. kept it pretty safe kind of until like my mid twenties when I had a little bit of a reckoning with how safe I was my whole life. I mean, what, what, what sort of triggered that reckoning? Do you remember a moment or something that like you were like, you know what? I'm done. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. Cause I don't think of myself as like buttoned up or anything. Like, you know, I like binge drank in college, like any like reckless teen, uh-huh. but, um, but I think I was still, I, like, my, I got my self-worth from, like, making wise decisions in, in a broader context. Like, like what? It's a wise decision. You know, like, I, like I studied business because I thought it would make my parents proud. Uh-huh. Um, or, you know, like, got the sensible salary job instead of, like, pursuing art school. Well, I, I'm glad I didn't do that ultimately. But, like, <laughs> I almost, like, took out loans to go to art school. And I'm glad I, I think I'm glad I didn't, obviously. But um, I think I just... I didn't take many risks in my 20s, and I, I kind of went along with what I thought was the wisest choice. And I, I remember feeling, you asked about a moment, I can't remember the exact moment, I just know that there was um, a time when I realized that everybody around me who had careers that I envied in some way had at some point taken a really big leap mm-hmm. and taken risks, and made decisions that at the time I would have thought were really stupid and they had much more interesting lives. So I thought, Mm -hmm. and I think at that moment I realized like, wow, I'm actually really tired of, of playing it safe. And I needed to figure out how to, um, I feel like you're about to sell me on something (laughs) like a 12 step motivational. Yeah. Like with these five tools and these, these 10 daily mantras, you got to tell yourself, you too can become, get like a Substack newsletter. I was just such an overthinker. And I was like, I, I remember I embarked on basically um, a year or something. It wasn't so specific, but like in hindsight of like, of deciding to not overthink things. Like when Austin, my ex and I like got a cat on a whim. This is not a bug, a second cat we did. Mm-hmm. And it was ultimately a mistake. Like we shouldn't have gotten a second cat. Like we did it on a whim just because I was like, feeling like I wanted to be spontaneous and like make a dumb decision and um we would have kept it except then his dad wanted it so like luckily like I would have had to live with the consequences we would have right we would have been happy family eventually <laughs> but like bug wasn't getting along with the cat and um it's not and, bug really he was being such a creep yeah bug was a little too thirsty but anyway um <laughs> and then like 
my uh, my boyfriend at the time we like moved to the to like a boring town across the bay um and which you thought was sensible no 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 it was, it was reckless like we didn't know why we did that i mean i'm saying it was boring just because uh, 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 uh. it ended up being boring but we were sort of just trying to make like a kind of an intense decision without thinking about it too much and we lived there for a year mm-hmm. and ultimately it wasn't right for us but i think it wasn't permanent and we just moved back to the, to the city. And mm-hmm. I realized why I left the city with, like, new eyes. And it was just not the end of the world. And I think I, I kind of went through a few different decisions in that time in my life. I, like, tried drugs for mm-hmm. the first time. And, like, I just was being a little bit more reckless. And I think, I, you know, it was the first time in my life where I was... How old are you at this point? I was probably, like, 23. Okay. A couple years out of school. Yeah. I was, Where were you working? I was at this point. I was working at um, a design consultancy called okay. Frog, yeah. um, and, and I was working in HR. So, my life honestly got a lot more interesting after that point. And I think I, you know, like I think there was a moment where I realized that like making the quote unquote wisest decision all the time was ultimately kind of boring. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked about this with, like, your career stuff, which is that, like, sometimes, like, taking a stupid risk or, wait, what am I trying to say? Like, if you, like, luck, uh, this is such this is such a cliche, but, like, luck and opportunity and, like, random happenings, like, come about through sort of other random happenings. So I think if you're, if you're always on, like, kind of a steady path, like, the chances of that kind of spark entering your life is, is slimmer. Right. And so I think sometimes if you want to invite that energy and spark into your life, you God, to, I like, sound like I'm doing a TED Talk. Yeah, this sounds like I'm <laughs> about to get sold on something. Well, I'm just saying, like, I know I can be so corny at times, but I think that, like, that's true. I mean, it has been... I mean, that's been true been in my life. life, too. Yeah. I do feel lucky. I mean, like, you know, I'm not going to say that, like, because I told a guy my social security number like a stranger via text message. I got to meet President Obama. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I've done reckless things that invite sort of this, like, chaos in my life. That, Wait, you had to text them your social? Yeah, that guy that I met. Um, so Avi once rode in Obama's motorcade. Actually, I don't want to tell this story. <laughs> let's just let's just move on. No, you don't have to tell it. I'm just, like, I was just offering some context. But anyway, um... Yeah, I mean, I think of you as being a little bit more, like, hedonistic naturally than me, which I think has been kind of nice in our relationship. I think you bring out, um, like, this is a stupid example, but, like, we'll just be in the grocery store, and I'll be like, what if we just got these, like, I mean, what was I going to say? I was thinking of, like, a, like, a, like pickle-flavored chips or something yeah, <laughs> stupid like absolutely. that. Absolutely. If there's, like, a wild chip flavor or, like, a salsa that has an interesting label <laughs> or i just feel like i'll or be like oh my form god of chocolate yeah and I, I like i would i would comment on it but not expecting to get it and be- not expecting <laughs> bug is doing all sorts of wild shit oh right god. now anyway um but yeah like i would not be expecting to actually get it i'm just commenting on it you'd be like put it in put yeah. it in the basket put it in the basket yeah and you just have sort of a well it's just like if you're even like I, i'm just ready to indulge some curiosity mm-hmm I feel like you're that's much, what it is. Yeah, you in, I think you indulge your desires more. I tried the Sour Patch Kids cereal, you know, because I had to know. Yeah. And it's fucking gross. <laughs> and I had multiple bowls, to be clear. Like, yeah, I oh, yeah, thought it was I gross and I tried it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I'm more likely <laughs> to, like, exert self-discipline to the point of um, sapping my life of pleasure, whereas you're more likely to... Um, indulge your pleasures sometimes to the extent where you're not happy that you did it anymore. <laughs> hmm. I was trying to. Wait, what does that mean? I was trying to like draw a parody, like where like I sometimes will take it too far, even though. Oh, it's you're good. trying to say that it's a double-edged sword. Either yeah. way, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, I believe that. Um. Yeah, but I feel like I, I think that you actually are a big part of my recklessness education. <laughs> Am I like framing that in like such nice terms when you don't really? And I just—it's such a funny phrase, recklessness education. <laughs> I mean, I think back to like when we got together, and like the the speeches you would give to inspire the roommates to go out on like a Tuesday. 
<laughs> like, that's recklessness. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that's like, that year was so, is so... That year was pretty reckless. It was so fun, though. Mm-hmm. It was so fun. And so I think, like, I, I mean, this, this sort of reminds me of... I did get some comments of people being like, I think recklessness has, like, made my life worse in some ways. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I did want to clarify that pursuing recklessness for me might be different from someone who kind of is more naturally recklessness and might need to exert like uh, other types of forces into their life. Yeah. I think, you, I think you have your, you have a pretty good con- like idea of your life and a control of it, you know? Yeah. And so for you, it's like engaging in targeted recklessness, like a surgical military <laughs> strike or like calculated risk. Yeah, exactly. Talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that like, I like to go out and like, I think that there's, I like to get my work down. Oh, I'm about to say I like to work hard, play hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's like ultimately what this is coming down to. Look, I feel like you're you're making yourself sound a lot more rigid than you are. You're actually like a pretty spontaneous person. I think it's just that like, where people like people who are spontaneous, like myself, I feel like there's a certain one of the things that makes me spontaneous. I'm not going to speak for every one in the spontaneous community. <laughs> But what makes me spontaneous, partially, is that I can't focus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I'm sure at some point being reckless has had consequences in my life that have been adverse, right? Yeah. I'm pretty lucky, um, and I can talk myself out of most scenarios. But <laughs> um, whereas you, like, have a pretty like a good sense of focus, in my mind. So, like, when it's time to do work or, like, take care of something that's troubling you, you just attack it methodically. In a way that, like, some, and, or just sometimes when you see problems in your life, it, you know, and it, you have to, like, slowly grind out whatever that solution is. It might not make sense to go out on a Thursday, but, like, something important happened that we needed to celebrate. Like, I don't know. Ken Bone was, became, like, an internet sensation. So we had to go out and have one drink to celebrate his red quarter zip. Yeah, I think that, like, <laughs> self-discipline has served me so much in my life that I can become overly committed to it. And I, so I sometimes have to kind of push against it because... Sometimes you need a little push to, get, to let loose. Yeah. And I think that... Um, and then you let loose. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's it's a balance, or, like, I think... Everybody needs doses of both, but for people who are overly cautious and careful and like hope that always like making the right decision will help them avoid pain and that if they learn from everyone else's mistakes, like they'll never make mistakes themselves and therefore they'll, they'll never suffer. Yeah. I don't really think that's, um, I guess or for me, it doesn't amount to a life fully lived. You're not really, the point of life is not to avoid mistakes or to like avoid suffering. Yeah. yeah or to yeah. avoid pain. I think that they all, they're these are parts of part of life and they're also part of pleasure. Like I think if you think about a life on a spectrum with like pain and pleasure on one side, um, if you avoid pain too much, you're also going to be avoiding pleasure because they're connected and you're going to just stay in the middle and you're going to, you're not going to feel much pain, but you're also not going to feel much pleasure. And you're probably going to feel pretty stuck and bored and wondering why all the right decisions led you to kind of a lukewarm existence. It's like ordering vindaloo. In what sense? It's it's pleasure and pain together. Yeah. You don't want to just eat the same old butter chicken. Yeah, like bring, bring like I like Gobi. a little bit of pain when I'm eating. Yeah. You know, like a ginger shot. Oh, you got it. Yeah. Well, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think there is something pleasurable or maybe life affirming about getting a little bit close to the edge, which reminds me of David Blaine. <laughs> <laughs> a very graceful segue into talking about that we um like spent like four hours consuming david blaine content we really shouldn't reveal the stats but no there's a friend of mine yeah (laughs) um a friend a friend of mine became very interested in the stunt that he did recently um where he ascended into the sky like twenty five thousand feet yeah which is like the where it's called like class a airspace yeah, he said Class A, and it sounded impressive. I, yeah, I, I didn't look into how airspace is classified. Well, so technically people, or typically people, um, parachute, 
or wait, skydive mm-hmm. from like 12 to 18,000 feet. Mm-hmm. So he obviously wasn't going up in a plane. He was going up by holding on to helium balloons to, you know, 16,000 or sorry. 25,000 feet. Yeah. Sorry. I was going to, I was doing some math. 8,000 feet higher oh, okay. than the highest place you would skydive from. Got it. Holding on to balloons. Mm-hmm. And then he like, I mean, there was like a, there's and, like a rig that was attached to him. <laughs> Yeah, but don't like a like you know uh, yeah, don't yeah. run the Sorry, magic. Sorry, that's no. There was a ring holding him so that like it, it wasn't secret. It wasn't a magic trick. It was just kind of like a stunt that he pulled. It was a stunt. So he was uh, David Blaine was promoting this a lot, and your friend texted you about it, and we were like, "What is this business?" Yeah, he Alex was being Alex, and he was like, um, "David Blaine is going to die in three days." Is <laughs> basically how he put it, and so I became curious. Um, looked into it, and then we became just curious about David Blaine, like, who the fuck that guy is. He's in the pussy posse, I know that. Yeah, like, and I remember, I always remembered that Kat Marnell said that he made heroin popular in, like, the Lower East Side or something. Right. And, like, the odds. I think that we should offer some context, which is that he's one of the most famous magicians in the world. And he's done magic tricks on, like, every single celebrity. Mm Mm-hmm. We watched a couple of things where he, like, shocks Harrison Ford and Margot Robbie and, like, does a... Shaq, uh, LeBron, and the Lakers. He's basically done magic tricks on like every big A-list. Cel- we, wa- we watched some Jimmy Fallon bit, which was like really awkward because it was promo for the balloon stunt. Yeah, and Jimmy Fallon doing like a, his Zoom interview thing was just really weird to watch. Yeah, I mean, I used to kind of be anti-magic. Uh-huh. I thought it was kind of obnoxious. Uh huh. Um. But it is kind of fun to just get lost in like a YouTube. I mean, you had, YouTube. you had a magician at your 30th birthday party. <laughs> wow. Totally forgot about that. That was so fun. Yeah. If anybody's looking, I mean, not that anybody can <laughs> have parties anymore, but we rented out a space in Chinatown and my friend had like runs the venue. So she let us use the space and we invited a mentalist. And he came and did a bunch of tricks for all of us. And it was... Wait, I don't know if Do you remember his name? Ryan. Yeah. I don't remember his last name. He was incredible, though. He was very good. It was so fun. But I feel, So I feel like maybe he, he was part of the reason that I ended up liking magic more. Mm-hmm. But it was fun to watch David Blaine's tricks, but I feel like I liked his stunts more. So he also does stunts. So he'll... Like, the one that we watched the, like, hour-long video on was his stunt in London. Right. Where he was in like a coffin-sized glass box for forty-four days with no food. Yeah, it was very. He only had diapers. Yeah. Um, and. <laughs> Maybe a pillow, or was that a diaper? <laughs> no, it was a pillow. He had a pillow and like a sweatshirt. But anyway, he like completely wasted away, and like everybody was just crowded around the bottom, like watching. It was just such a weird spectacle. Yeah. And David Blaine, in his interviews for this for the stunt, had said that he was like really obsessed with death and like getting close to death. I wonder if this is partly like part like part, part of why you had like the idea seated, yeah, in your mind. Yeah, I'm sure that that was part of why I started thinking about death. More. The Harmony Corinne thing was really weird because it was like um, so Harmony Corinne directed the the glass coffin stunt, like a movie about it. Yeah, what was it called? David Blaine, London Box. Above the below. Above the below. And it was this really bizarre, like, um, it was, some of it was, like, footage of the, just, like, regular folks in London coming to see it and, like, being weird, just regular humans like we all are. Just, like, apes with clothing on. Yeah, Harmony Curran did a really dark, um, ha- had a very dark interpretation of it, which I think was probably pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Of just, um, like, what spectacle is and, like, yeah. what it draws in, in the world. And so we started, like, contemplating, like, who the fuck is David Blaine? Like, what is he? The thing kind of, like, blurs the difference between... Like, I think part of what struck me about his stunt is that he... It's unclear where, like, the line between stunt and illusion is. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of always manipulating that line. That's, like, part of what he likes to do is just, like, draw out a mystery. Right. Yeah, and I think I kind of wanted to believe that the stunt was real. Mm-hmm. And you were more skeptical. I was definitely skeptical. Yeah, because well, I, I think it's only 
it's only fun if you believe. Right. So I was kind of willing to give in. Mm-hmm. Um, not for magic. You know, of course, magic is not real. But right. like with the stun, I wanted to believe that he was doing it or that he wasn't like switching out a body for the bo- the glass box or something like at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think he was. No, I think, I mean. For that one. I don't know. I didn't really look into it. But I think that his like ice block trick, like where he, he stayed in a block of ice for three days. I think that one's fake. I yeah, think the, yeah. the the glass box one is real. But anyway, so in that Harmony Corinne thing, that's when he starts, he holds like this bizarre press conference where I think he like pretends to slice through his ear. Oh, God. Do you remember that? He's just bleeding yeah. all over himself and shrieking. Yeah. And I think he was trying to say that he's intense, but it, to me it looked like a um, an illusion. Right. Yeah, and he, he was just saying that... And is that the press conference where he's talking about death? I think he was just in his like in an apartment or something, like kind of documentary style. Right, you're right. And he was saying that he watched his mom suffer a lot before her death and had been and thought a lot about the way that she must have been in so much pain and didn't show it. And there was this sort of like closeness to death and a, a grace um, that yeah. she had at the end that stuck at least with that he him, remembers. That he remembers. And so I think he said that he feels most alive when death is really close. Assuming that's a real story, too. I think we, did See, we look you don't it up? trust anything he says, which I think is probably. I just legit. don't know what the like. I feel like I don't know when he's performing and not performing. I mean, that's totally fair. I think you're right because I don't really trust him either. Like he's, even though I kind of want to believe, and I, I, but ultimately I think he's kind of annoying. Well, because well, he says he doesn't care what anybody thinks, and he just wants to do it for himself. And I'm like, well, then why don't you just go like, like trap yourself in a glass coffin like, in your house? What's a what's a <laughs> night out with like? Toby Maguire, Leonardo DiCaprio, and David Blaine. So what many drugs. Doing? So many drugs. So much recklessness. Recklessness. Yeah. They, like, the, you know, the rich, the young rich celebrities love to be reckless. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because they realize they, they have... have a lot of money and there's no consequences. <laughs> right. Or they feel like they've already peaked and so they're like, why not die? James Dean style. Yeah. Dark. Um... Yeah, so obviously I think what was interesting to think about is, like, he says he's not doing it for other people, but ultimately it's not useful to him unless people are watching. So there's something slightly dishonest in his framing of it. There, He wants to remind people of death yeah. and experience the edge himself. Yeah, his, he's got some, like, solid, like, sort of dorm room stoner rants. Mm-hmm. That sort of like are like building to a philosophy, but I all, I think it's just smoke and mirrors. I think he understands like um, what he like at one point they ask him what he wants and he says to be the greatest showman on earth. And I think about like what was the Christian Bale movie? What the a Ill- weird ambition. Yeah. The Illusionist. Sorry. The Illusionist. Right. Right. Yeah. The Christopher Nolan one. Mm-hmm. And like what a magician does, or like what the like the best illusionists are constantly on or he's like always ready to do something i don't know just whatever their intensity is to want to be the greatest showman yeah that's other things i just can't relate to that ambition remotely yeah like i would never want i don't even want to skydive like i think we were talking about this like there was a time in college where i thought it seemed cool to skydive and now i'm just like why would you jump out of a plane wait i i'd want to skydive (laughs) just like can you imagine falling for that long like what that sensation feels like I have no idea. It sounds insane. And, like, to be flowing through, like, air, like, that fluid for so long and what that feels like. It must be so intense. It's, it just horrifies me even thinking about it. I mean, I feel like that's not a bad way to die if your chute doesn't... If you don't pull a chute, you just <laughs> turn into a big, like... A pancake? Pot, you're just, like, a big pile of pudding at that point, right? <laughs> not a bad texture to go out on. <laughs> It just doesn't appeal to me. Like, I feel like, you know, I'm happy to be like, kind of reckless in my personal life occasionally. Like, yeah. a, like a, you know, a late night. If you won tickets to skydiving, would you just, would you say no? Oh, my God. I honestly don't think I want to. Hmm. It's not even that I'm afraid. I just don't, like, I don't. Okay, actually, I am afraid. But I don't think I get the point. Dude, it sounds really scary right before you jump. I, yeah, actually, I'm a hard no. I'm just, like, thinking about being in the plane <laughs> and they're like, okay, jump. Okay, no. jump out of a fucking plane. No, it's an absolutely not for me. Your entire body is telling you it's a mistake. Yeah. Dude. But 
But I guess he, his point is that, like, the more dangerous it is, like, the, the the higher the exposure to pain, the higher the exposure to pleasure. David Blaine is saying this? Right? I think so. Because he said he feels most alive the closest he is to death. Right, right. So, like, at the end of... They pull him out of the box in London. Mm-hmm. He's lost, like, 60 pounds. Emaciated. He's emaciated. He kind of, like... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, gonna say he looked good, but like his like before he had this like really manicured facial hair and like a dorky haircut and stuff, and then like and he looked like overly manicured, and then afterward he had kind of like scruffy beard and like long hair, and he's wearing like a, a hooded sweatshirt, and I was like, he looks kind of good. Not the emaciation part, like he did look ill, but like <laughs> in his general styling, I was appreciating. It's funny to just be like, except for the fact that he looked like he was starving. <laughs> Well, I was going to say that reminds me of like, Avi and I have been watching this show alone where these contestants like survivalists are dropped off in the middle of the forest. And, you know, these people aren't overly uh, concerned with their image, which I absolutely respect. (laughs) And so they're, you know, they're kind of have like dorky haircuts and like dorky outfits when they first start. Mm -hmm. And we're in here meeting them in their homes. And then once they're in the woods for like a few weeks... They all have, like, scruffy beers, and they're wearing, like, flannels and boots, and there's, like, a very utilitarian edge, and they look, they all look so much cooler. (laughs) (laughs) That's a complete non sequitur. Yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah, so I think, you know, the higher the exposure to to risk, the the higher the benefit, I guess. Yeah, I mean, or, like, the benefit is a thrill, like, some sort of libidinal thrill. Yeah. Yeah. But there's not that much opportunity to do that in quarantine. So, why don't you comment on comments? Yeah, I mean, there were some comments about people feeling like recklessness had been sort of a negative, had a negative impact on their life. And I, I, I've said this a lot in past newsletters, or at least in my writing, but I feel like different people need different advice. And this tends to Absolutely. be like, this is not one size fits all advice. No, and I think that a lot of my advice tends to be about looking inward and figuring out like basically what you need yeah. and being as honest with yourself as possible. So I do sometimes shy away from being prescriptive, but um, sometimes I do end up writing about things that I need. Right. And I think like recklessness for me is a is a healthy um, um, approach to life to like invite in from time to time. And I think for someone who's more reckless, I think maybe being slightly maybe more cool it. <laughs> All right. Maybe inviting more like future orientation into your life. <laughs> it's. <laughs> I mean, you're staring at me while you're saying it. <laughs> That's not what I meant. I know, I know. You can handle your shit. Like, you're actually pretty um, competent. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I think that you're. You're not really who I'm thinking about. So I think always take it with a grain of salt. And like this is probably written for the people who um, relate to me on a level of being like overly careful and, you know, maybe have been called an overthinker. Yeah. So this definitely didn't fit for everybody, but I think I did. I do think that everybody needs a little recklessness in their life in addition to a little like self-discipline. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I need any help being reckless, but it was good for me to just ruminate on the ideas that you had. Mm-hmm. Especially because we both approach death differently, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so otherwise, though, I really appreciated the comments. There was a lot of interesting ones. I mm-hmm. love reading the comments. Sometimes. <laughs> 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 Important qualifier. <laughs> I also, to be fair, said just like an hour ago that I never wanted anybody to read anything I wrote ever again. So, mm-hmm. you yeah, know. You're very exposed online. Yeah, it's a little bit stressful sometimes, but it's also a great gift. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like you're trying to convince yourself. (laughs) Yeah, no, it is a gift. It's just, it's challenging. I think I I hesitate talking about it because I feel like it's such a a stupid problem. But um, yeah, that's just, you know, one of my little problems. But Um, okay, well, I think we talked for 50 minutes. Somehow. Great. So I think to keep this under an hour, let's wrap it up. And then I'm going to um, do a reading of my newsletter for anybody who's interested in listening. Yep. You can stay on. Um, but otherwise. Cool. Yeah. What do you think? 
I think we nailed it. Do you think, do you think we did better than the first time, or do you think oh, it was kind of the way same? way better. Are you, really? Uh-huh, 100%. Okay, I'm glad you said that, because I was feeling kind of like, I didn't know if it was that different. No, this is way different. Okay, thank God. Um, okay, right. I even finished my Diet Coke. Nice. Out of here. <laughs> okay, thank you, Avi. See ya. Okay, so now I'm going to do a reading of the newsletter that went on on Sunday. It's number 22. It's called In Favor of Recklessness. And um, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I'm not going to do the recommendations. Um, I'm just going to kind of rely on the written version of those um, since I think they're a little bit better in that form. So if you would like to listen to this and you still want to get the recs, then you can just head to my last newsletter. It's linked in the email I sent with this podcast. Okay. Part one death recollection. Have you ever wondered how many times you've narrowly avoided death without realizing it? I don't mean a refrigerator cartoonishly falling out a window after you walk past, although also that, but more like the car wreck you didn't get in because you left later than you'd planned, the cliffs you never fell off because you paused to take a sip of water, the plane you boarded that would have crashed had an engineer not caught something at the last minute. I think about death a lot. Sometimes I imagine a doctor telling me the source of my migraines is a large metastatic tumor. Other times I imagine someone pushing me in front of a train for no reason. Most often I concoct freak accidents in my head as I walk placidly down the street. A horrible slip on a wet sidewalk. A perilous fall through a restaurant cellar door. Head trauma from a hammer dropped haplessly through construction scaffolding by a worker who had to sneeze. The rarest iteration of this particular form of anxiety, though, is utterly benign. I am old, laying in bed, and I take my last breath. That one fucks me up the most. The ancient Bhutanese called this death recollection. It was their belief that to be a happy person, one must contemplate death five times a day. I learned this when I downloaded an app inspired by the notion called We Croak that constantly reminded me I was going to die via push notification. To be fair, the Bhutanese saw death recollection as a kind of meditation, whereas my approach is more like the logical result of hypochondria and anxiety plus cold brew. But I like to think the impetus is the same, which is that it can be useful, among other things, to remember that life ends, or could at any moment. Of course, during a pandemic, there is no shortage of reminders that death is coming for us. And the idea that we have no control over it has perhaps never felt closer to the surface for so many people at the same time, at least in recent history. But there's also less opportunity to make use of this information. YOLO is not hitting. There is little joy in employing our demise to live more fully because living more fully could kill someone. Overture is about not wasting any time or making the most of life seem increasingly less salient as neither is particularly plausible right now. And yet I keep returning to it. This feeling that life is short and that I want to fuck some shit up. It's almost as if the inability to be reckless has me finally seeing the full existential value in it. Part 2. In Favor of Recklessness Prudence has been an organizing principle of my life. I was a very responsible child, then became a very responsible adult. I am careful and thoughtful, risk-averse, and self-disciplined. In some ways, these are points of pride. And yet all of my favorite decisions track almost perfectly with times I railed against these qualities within myself. Like when I quit a good full-time job for a lower-paying contract, or slept with my roommate, or tried ecstasy and then tried it again. As a result, I've become increasingly enamored with the idea that recklessness is inherent to a life fully lived. It's an appealing yet threatening idea, because it takes my biggest fear, that through my own carelessness I will suffer unnecessarily, and posits that suffering is worth it. There's an important distinction to be made between carelessness and recklessness, though. Whereas carelessness connotes lacking thought for the consequences of an action, recklessness connotes lacking care for the consequences of an action. Counterintuitive to the words themselves. It was actually a legal paper that helped me understand this difference. I was googling, quote, in favor of recklessness to see if someone had written about this, and instead of essays, found a barrage of legal documents explaining how recklessness is defined in the eyes of the law. Quote, recklessness in the criminal law, one paper explained is best understood as nevertheless containing an element of reasonableness. To be reckless in this view, the defendant must reasonably believe that she is exposing others to the risk of harm. It goes on to explain that if someone is not reasonably aware of the risk involved in their actions, they would not really be considered reckless. Isn't that kind of illuminating? The recklessness I'm interested in is self-inflicted, but it's similarly aware of itself. It's bold instead of stupid. For a long time, I assumed that being aware of the consequences of an action is what made you careful and smart, and that, by extension, delusion was endemic to risky behavior. Obviously, this is a deeply boring point of view and seems especially so when I spell it out. 
But I really do think that's how I thought a lot of the time. When I felt trapped in my mid-20s by my own carefulness, I remember wishing I were just a little stupider. I see now that what I was actually yearning for was courage. Part 3. Pain and Pleasure A friend of mine is leaving New York with his boyfriend to try living somewhere else. He's not sure if he'll like it, or whether things with his boyfriend are solid enough to endure this kind of change, and he's doing it anyway. When he first told me this, a well-worn part of me was alarmed, but another newer part was impressed. I imagine the different scenarios that might come out of it, that the two of them blossom into something else and never come back, that he wanders around the suburbs for a year, feeling forlorn before scurrying back to New York, changed. And none seemed so tragic. In fact, nearly all of them seemed potentially life-affirming, if potentially painful. Seeking pleasure and avoiding pain are two of our most basic instincts, but they're hard to satisfy at the same time. Hedonism eventually comes for you, and asceticism isn't a good time. Consider the hangover. And so any fulfilling life, which I'd argue involves some level of negotiation between the two, asks that we occasionally ignore our instincts, which is to say, it asks us to invite and embrace pain as a consequence of living fully, or to take it further, to understand that pain itself can beget pleasure. As a philosopher and activist Simone Weil once said, quote, to make use of the sufferings that chance inflicts upon us is better than inflicting discipline upon oneself. If I think of my carefulness as a form of pain avoidance, it then makes sense that it has at times sapped my life of color. It also follows that lockdown has many of us yearning for the spoils of recklessness. We've never been so careful, so fearful, so aware of the end, and yet largely unable to meaningfully harness that awareness. It makes me wonder what awaits us on the other side, assuming this ends with society intact, which is a big assumption. I wonder whether our relationship with life will have changed, and in turn our relationship to risk, pleasure, and pain. It can be hard to imagine this crisis inciting a positive psychological impact, but I've been considering this idea in my more optimistic moments. That maybe by disrupting the flow of life, we've embarked on a kind of collective long-term death recollection, a global meditation on what it means to be alive, however begrudged. Okay, um, that's it for this week. Um, Thanks so much for your patience as I try out different versions of this. Um, I'm still definitely open to feedback and kind of just figuring out what is most interesting, what's the best format, whether it's better to just kind of shoot the shit or whether um, it's good to have like a more formal outline, some different things I'm considering. So um, let me know what you're thinking. And I hope this added a little bit of extra color to the newsletter I sent out on Sunday. Okay, thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week. Bye. This is Haley Nauman, and you're listening to the Maybe Baby Podcast. Oh, I don't know about the tone at the end there. <laughs> okay, try it again. Okay. Hello, this is Haley Nauman, and you're listening to the Maybe Baby... <laughs> God damn it. Take three. Hello, this is Haley Nauman, and you're listening to the Maybe... Oh my God, I'm psyching myself out. It's fine. Do you want to do it? Hi, this is Haley Nauman, and you're listening to the Maybe Baby Podcast. Like, let's use that.